Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Just one look. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We just want. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we just one look. We just one look. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just, we just one look. Come on, let's say with just one touch. With just one touch, everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same. With just one Everything changes. I'm captivated. I'll never be the same with just one look. Thank you, Jesus. With just one look. With just one look. Come on, he's good, ain't he? God is good, isn't he? Sure. Just one look. It's just one look, and it's all it takes. It's just one look. It's just one touch. Literally, Jesus. Any as we're singing that, I'm. I can't help but think about the woman with the issue of blood. How she's walking in the crowd, and the Bible says that she had been dealing with that issue for between uh, more than twelve years, at least a minimum of twelve years. She had been dealing with that issue. And to have a medical illness for 12 years, it's going to require a lot of treatment. But it just took one touch. One touch. Just, just that one. Just, and we, don't, we don't know. I mean, there's movies and there's shows that show where she grabs the hem of his garment. But we don't know. It could have just been the, the, the tip of the corner. It could have been just her fingernail connected. We don't know how much of her hand or finger got to touch all. It could have just been just the, the smallest, just one touch, amen? And everything changed. Everything changed. Everything changed. It's so easy to beat ourselves up if we don't spend 30 minutes or read 10 scriptures or 10 chapters. But I'll tell you what, sometimes all it takes is one verse. 
All, sometimes all it takes is three words in a verse to where you can see God and you can see Jesus. You can see your reflection. You can be reminded of who you are. Sometimes all it takes is five minutes of praying. Because I understand we all are busy. There's sometimes where I oversleep and I'm, I'm trying to run out the door. And I'm like, Lord, like I don't, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't give you 30. And then I'm like, you know what, Lord, but right now, and I'll just, the one minute I'll have, I'll sit in the truck. Don't even start it yet. Just sit there. Lord, right now I invite you in the space. And he's already there. But it's not, it's more, it's not more him, it's more us. It's more that resetting and that reframing that, and that reminding. Amen? Amen. Just one touch. Mm-hmm. With just one touch. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With just one touch. We've been in our series called The Body. And I love it because the whole purpose of God putting this series in my heart was for us to relearn how we are supposed to function. Amen. Amen. Us to relearn how we're supposed to do this thing, how we're supposed to better represent him. How we because at the end of the day, our the goal is to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. A friend of ours, she she she's created this apparel. And literally, it's these shirts and sweatshirts, and it says, make heaven crowded. And I remember when I seen that, I was like, oh, because that's what Jesus tells us. He wants us to advance the kingdom. That's the whole point of spreading the message. That's the whole point of introducing and pointing people to Jesus so we can advance his kingdom. Amen. In order to do that, we have to be about his agenda. In order to do that, we have to learn what our functions are, what our roles are, what our skill set is, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. The best athlete doesn't just play to his strengths. The best athlete, he works on his weaknesses. He or she works on his weaknesses. And I, growing up, I was never a big Kobe fan. I was never a big Kobe fan. It's not that I didn't like him. I just, Jordan was my guy. And then, you know, everybody else kind of felt like second fiddle. But one of the things that Kobe was known for was always trying to, trying to make his weaknesses better. You know, one of the, he, you know, they would criticize him and say he couldn't dribble one way, so therefore he'd work on that. They criticized him and said, you know, he always stays in the paint. He never shoots outside of the art, so he would work on that. As the body of Christ, if we are going to represent Jesus in Lexington, if we're going to represent him in Henderson County, then we have to do that inventory and be like, okay, Lord, search me, O oh Lord. Like David said, search me. Lord, is there anything that's not of you? Is there any weak areas in my life? Is there any weak areas in my mind? Is there any weak areas in my heart, Lord? Where, where, where is it? Where's the, where's the unlevel places? Because we all can point out the level places. We all can point out the, the hills and the highs and the mountains, amen? We can all point those out. But, Lord, where, where is it uneven at? Where's the road uneven at in my life? Okay, Lord, I, I, I give you permission to build it up. I give you permission to build it up. I give you permission to raise it up. I give you permission to raise it to the level that it needs to be. Amen. And guess what? Just one touch is all it takes. 
just one touch is all it takes, amen? amen. I encourage you, add that song to your phone, to your library. It's called Most Beautiful by Maverick City. Most Beautiful, is, if you look it up, it's Most Beautiful slash So In Love. With just one touch. And what's, what's so funny is I almost didn't sing it this morning. I almost didn't, almost didn't put it in the computer. I almost didn't put it in the improvers in there last night. I was like, I don't think we'll do it. Um, and this morning, just it was a hectic morning. Everything's going sideways. At one point, I'm like, Lord, I ain't going to sing this song. And as we get done with Worthy of It All, I'm like, you know what? We're just going to go for it. Lord, I'm going to lay it out there. I'm just going to, I said, Lord, I'm going to lob it up and let you do the rest. And you see what happens when you surrender to God. Amen. You, you see what happens when you yield to God. Even when you don't think you have something to give, give to him, you give it to him. Amen? Amen. If you have a Bible, we're still in our foundational scriptures for this series in Ephesians chapter 4. Just one touch. I'm going to read very quickly because I won't be before you very long. But we're going to read verse 11, 12, and 13 in the Mirror Study Bible. You can follow it on the screen or... Um, or just followed by my voice. But verse 11, Paul says, What God has in his, his gift wrapped to the world. Some are commissioned to pioneer. Others are gifted prophetically. Some as announcers of good news. Some as shepherds with a real gift to care and nurture. And others have to get, have a get to, at, uh, others have, excuse me, let me look it up here. Others have a gift to ignite instruction through revelation knowledge. Each expression of his gift is to fully equip and enable you for the work of the ministry so that you may mutually contribute in your specific function to give definition to the visible body of Christ. The purpose of these ministry gifts, the purpose of these gifts, the purpose of these gifts. I love how it says that these are gifts. Amen. Not jobs. These are gifts. A job is something you have to do. A job is something you have to go to. Amen. The, the office of the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, they are gifts from the Lord. And it's to present everyone on par. And in one, this is faith. Here's faith right here. Believing exactly what the Son of God believes and knowing accurately what he knows concerning you. Here is faith. Believing exactly what the Son of God believes and knowing accurately what he knows concerning us. What does he believe about you? I encourage you, I implore you to find out what the Son of God believes about you. He believes that you are more than worth going to the cross. He believes that you are the head and not the tail. He believes that you, he believes that the Father, the same way the Father loves him, the Father loves you. Amen. I encourage you this week, remind yourself, I am the beloved of God. Standing face to face in equal stature to the measure of the completeness of Christ. Rob Lacey describes these gifts as carriers or communicators, counselors, and coaches. The apostle is the foundation set, uh, setters. We talked about it before, but the apostles set the foundations. The prophets are the couriers. And today we're talking about the evangelists. Evangelists are the communicators. Somebody say communicators. I love that because ultimately evangelists are communicators and evangelists, if you take a note, you can put this down. Obviously, most of us know it, but evangelist is someone who has a compliment, compliment, 
complementary, there we go, gifting and focused commitment for the proclamation of the gospel. Say it again, an evangelist is someone who has a complementary gifting and focused commitment for the proclamation of the gospel. Somebody that is gifted to compliment and proclaim the gospel, amen? amen? To proclaim the gospel. So what? So, so ultimately, Jesus said it best in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, in the Passion Translation. Jesus said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race, amen? amen. That means everybody. So this is what the, this is, now, this is what we've all been commissioned to do, Amen. We've all been commissioned to do this. Watch as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21 in the Passion Translation. He says, we, somebody say me. me. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly. So I love this. This, this describes what it's like sharing the gospel. You ready? As God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So that's what it's like when God shares the gospel. He's pleading through whoever it is you're talking through. He's pleading through your lips. And what is he pleading? He says, we're pleading. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. That's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole premise in itself. Lindsay, I don't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. God is going to speak through you. And what God speaks through you, well, how do I know if it's God? If it lines up with him tenderly pleading through you for whoever it is to come back to him. Amen? Amen. That's, that's, that's what he wants. Verse 21, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for who? Us. So that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Amen. Amen. I said it I said it last week and we said it plenty of times. But right before Jesus is going up to the cross in John 17, as he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane, he's not praying selfishly, Lord, give me strength to do this. John 17 says, he says, Lord, I've done my job. I've made them known, Lord. Let them be one with you as we are one. God's desire is to be one with the entire human race. God's desire is to be one with the coworkers, your coworkers on your job. That's why he's put you on your job. God's desire is to be one with the family members that you may not like to talk to or be around. That's why he's placed you in that family. God's desire is to, to be one with every citizen in this town and in this county. That's why he's placed you, and that's why he's placed this church. That's why he's placed this body. That's why he's placed this group of people. Amen? Amen. The question is, are we going to allow him to tenderly plead and talk and proclaim through us, or are we just going to keep it to ourselves? Are we going to allow what we experienced this morning in worship, that, that just that, that one look, that one touch, Everything changed in our life. Are we going to take everything that we experience? Are we going to take it out the double doors and, 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 and share it with people? Or are we just going to keep it locked up and, and let it become just a memory? Oh, man, you remember that one Sunday? Man, that was, man, I felt the glory of the Lord. Will it become a memory or will it become a meal? Mm. What you experience today, are, can you allow it to become a meal or are you going to just let it be a memory? 
I, I, let me help you. Let me answer that for you. I encourage you to allow this to become a meal. Let it be something that you chew on this week, this, net, this month, next month. Next year. Let it become something that you chew on, something that you are sharing with people. Amen. Hey, you don't understand. I went, Listen, I was dealing with this and this and this, and I went to church on a normal Sunday. Nothing, nothing extra, no extra, all these different things, just a normal Sunday. And really, no, no Sunday is normal in the presence of the Lord. But literally, all it took was just one look, just one touch, and everything changed. One touch, and I, be, I was recaptivated. I was refascinated with how beautiful Jesus is. I was recaptivated with how good he is, how awesome he is, how mighty he is, how strong he is, how faithful he is, how awesome, how great, how loving, how loyal. One touch, one look. That's all it took. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you what he, what he did in my life. Let me show you what he reminded me of. Let me show you what he has freed me of. Amen? Amen. Just one look. I know the song says just one look, but as we were singing, I couldn't get out of my head. I was just one touch. Because I'm like, the look is great, but also, Lord I, Lord, I need that touch. We said it last week, but the difference between Saul and David was Saul, when Saul sinned, he was like, he was like Samuel, ask, ask God to, to not remove my kingdom from me. But David, David, David didn't need to go to a prophet. David didn't need to go to a middleman. And I, I said that to somebody earlier during prayer, but. You don't need a middleman. Jesus, he, he bridged the gap. You don't need somebody. You don't need a cosign. You don't need somebody else's extra hands laid upon you. No, you, the Bible says that you can run straight to the throne of grace and find mercy in your time of need. Amen. And David literally, he didn't need a middleman. He said, Lord, you can have it all. Just don't take your spirit away from me. Amen. Don't take your presence away from me. Why? Because it's, it's in that one touch, everything can change, Lord. It's in that one look, everything can change. It's, it's in that one look, I can be recaptivated again. It's in that one look, I can become refascinated again, amen? The, to, to have that type of heart, that's why David's nickname was a, a man that was after God's own heart. He was a friend of God. Why? Because a friend, a true friend just desires you. A true friend doesn't desire what you can bring to them. A true friend just desires you. And David's like, Lord, I just desire you. Yes, these kingdoms are great. Yes, all this gold is great. Yes, all yeah, the slaying the giant was great. But ultimately, we you know what David was worshiping God before he slayed the giant, and then he he worshiped God after he slayed the giant. He was still worshiping God after he slayed the giant. Can we be worshipers that we are seeking God even if we don't do any great feed? Even if, we, even if we don't do anything that's worth being applauded by people, by our peers, can we still seek God? Can we still trust God? Can we still serve him with our all? Amen? Amen. See, evangelism, it's the act of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Evangelism at its core, what it's truly meant to be, the original definition, evangelism, it's the act of proclaiming. Somebody say proclaim. Proclaim. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Evangelism is a responsibility that we all have been called to and empowered by or empowered for. Difference between us and uh, anybody that walks in the office of an evangelist, the evangelist just has that. Uh, the best way to think about it is this. When Dre and Kevin got married, you know, they, they, they hired a wedding photographer. And you know, not just them. Most weddings, 
you know, the bride and groom, they hire a wedding photographer. I'm sure y'all are hiring a photographer. You know, at most, most weddings now, they hire a specific photographer. Now, we all live in a day and age where we all have smartphones. And you go to a wedding, anybody, you know, anybody can just pull out their phone and capture the moment, capture the memory. But see, the difference between anybody capturing the memory and that one photographer is, understand this, the photographer has a particular skill set. The photographer has experience and equipment and watch this singular, fo uh, singular focus on that day to ensure the job will get done well. Anybody could pop out their phone and take a picture. And, you know, I remember Andrea's wedding, you know, a few of us had our phones out. We took a picture and all this other stuff. And, you know, I took a picture of Cohen, took a picture of the boys while they were looking nice. And, and the photographer, she took a picture of Cohen. And me and her, we have a similar picture. But her picture looks way better than mine. You know why? Because it's her job to execute the same thing that I'm trying to do, but it's her job to execute it well. Also, she has the experience. She has the focus. She's not distracted by all the other different things that I would be distracted by. She has that singular focus, equipment, and experience to do the job well. The evangelist, the difference between the evangelist and somebody that may not be evangelist, yes, they had the same, they had the same challenge from the, they had the same great commission from Jesus, which is to make disciples of all nations, of all people. The difference is the evangelist has been given that complementary gifting to execute the job well. It's been given that experience, been given that equipment, been given that tool set, been given that grace to execute it well. Amen. The motto for the evangelist is this. With the gospel, there is no plan B. The motto for the evangelist is when it comes to the gospel, there is no plan B. But I don't, I don't want that just to be the motto for anybody that's called to evangelize. I want it to be our motto. When it comes to Jesus, there is no plan B. Yesterday, Kellen was building Legos on the table, and he, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of the table typing this stuff up. And he, he comes over, and he reads the screen, and he reads that. He says, with the gospel, there is no plan B. And he's like, okay, that sounds good, Daddy. And I was like, I'm glad you're approved, Kellen. I said, let me explain it to you. I said, if we placed our trust in Jesus, then guess what? There's, I, I said, whenever somebody comes up with a plan B, it's because in the back of their mind, they think plan A is going to fail. Whenever we come up with a plan B, it's because just in case, we all have those moments. Hey, hey, go and put this over here just in case this don't work. Hey, go, let's, let's go and build the rainy day fund just in case this don't work. And there's nothing wrong with the rainy day fund. Rainy day fund is good. It's smart. It's wise. But, we, you know, a lot of times we, we don't give our full effort in things just in case it doesn't work. But when it comes to Jesus, there's no plan B for you. This is the only plan. Why? Because he's never, he's not in the business of failing, amen? amen. He is not in the business of failing, and he's not going to start with you, amen? amen. Somebody say, he's not going to start with me. So again, an evangelist is someone who has been gifted with the complimentary gifting and focused commitment for the proclamation of the gospel. You know, the other, the, to under, I use that word proclamation, but ultimately the word proclaim, it just means to declare publicly, to declare publicly in either speech or writing. 
You know, a lot of times we see evangelism happen in many facets, in many methods, in many ways. You know, there's, there's multiple ways to proclaim the gospel. Some people write books that proclaim the gospel, that proclaim the glory of God, that tell the story of, of God, that tell the, score, the story of Jesus. Some people use their social media platform to spread the message of the gospel. Some people, the, some people preach in rooms of two individuals, 20, 200, 2,000, 2 million. Some people preach, uh, preach the glory of God. Some people, some people on their jobs use their jobs as a, as a, way, to, as a way to proclaim the gospel. Amen? Amen. We see we seen back in the 70s, from the, from the early 70s, early 60s, all the way to the early 2000s, a lot of evangelists use television as their method of spreading the gospel. It's where we get the phrase televangelist. You know, I remember growing up, praise the Lord. It was Will of Fortune, and then right at, right at seven, praise the Lord. And you have the dun, 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 every nation rejoice, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I, got the, I still got it all. I looked it up on YouTube, found it. I was like, oh, I still remember it. And I, I remember one time when I was a kid, I, for once, I can't remember how old I was. That's shocking. I can't remember how old I was, but we went to Hendersonville. Y'all remember that? Went to the TVN studios. That was my first time. That was my first time I've ever seeing gold in a bathroom. I was in awe. I was like, what? What is this? This is the greatest thing. We're going to be on TV. We're going to be on TV, you know. I couldn't wait. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking at it, looking at everything. The room was a little bit smaller than what it looked like on TV. But, you know, me and KJ, we're just bouncing along or whatever. We're sitting in the service. They're doing a live church service. And I remember, you know, I'm like, as a kid, you know, y'all, y'all see Kellen and Keenan. Imagine, imagine just all three of our boys scrunched into one individual. Then you got me, just a little bit older. And I was, I was sitting in there. I was just kind of bored. You know, all the adults are worshiping and getting into it. I was just like, ah. Oh. Man, that's all we got. And then I remember, you know, uh, they're doing a transition. And all of a sudden, uh, somebody with the mic, as soon as, as soon as I go through the intro, you know who I'm talking about, but somebody with the mic was behind the curtain. And he, literally he says, for those that think the gospel music took it too far. And me and KJ both look at each other, no, no. And all of a sudden, if you ever go back and look on the, you know, TV and every now and then they'll post like the, you know, their highlight reel of over the years. There's one, there's one small clip of where it shows Kurt Franklin sliding out from the curtain on the stage. We were in the room when that happened, in the room where it happened. And I remember when he come out, me and KJ, little KJ, we scream, ah, ah, here we go. You know, we stand up then, you know, before when we was all worshiping Jesus, you know, we was, I'm tired, mom. Oh, you know, my belly hurts. When Kurt Franklin come out, we was, let's go. You know, so it was good times. But, you know, there's, and there's still televangelists on uh, for the most part, but a lot of times that's kind of moving away from just where streaming platforms have come up. But then also, a lot of, unfortunately, where we live in a time now where a lot of mishandling and distortion of the evangelistic gift has happened to a lot of times where people don't have full trust in evangelism and evangelists. People don't have have full trust in those that say that they've been gifted to proclaim the gospel. Paul said that he was all things to all people, that he might win as many people as he could to Christ. Paul said that he was all things to all people, not so he could gain a following, 
not so people can clap him up, but so he could win all people to Christ, win as many people as he could to Christ. See, the temptation is a lot of times when we get in certain circles, we may, we may shift our personality in order to fit in, but our goal, unfortunately, if, we, if we're operating in the flesh, our goal is just to fit in. When Paul is saying, our goal isn't to be, it should not be to fit in, but our goal is to get in, that way we can bring them out with us back into the presence of God. So we can introduce them to Jesus. Paul said that I was all things to all people so I could win as many people. It's all about advancing the kingdom of God, amen? It's all about making heaven crowded, amen? It's all about pointing people. It's all about connecting people to the God who fights for them. It's all about connecting people to Jesus, amen? At the end of the day, if Jesus is not the finish line, you're in the wrong race. If Jesus is not our finish line, we're in the wrong race. If, if Jesus, I'll say it again, if Jesus is not our finish line, we are in the wrong race as a church, as people who love him, as people who serve him, as people who are part of the Great Commission trying to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. And evangelist loses that advantage. Evangelist loses the advantage of winning all people when he or she focuses on designer brand clothing or private jets or the latest sneakers or large social media followings. Unfortunately, most Christians are great at making their name known, but not Jesus. When the Lord told me that yesterday, it hit me. Unfortunately, most Christians are great at making their own name known, but not Jesus. We're great at making, we're great at letting people know about us. We're great at people, we're great at pointing the finger at us or, hey, did you see what I did? Did you see this? Did you see that? When Jesus has called you, he has saved you, and he has commissioned you to make his name known. Amen? Amen. To make his name known in the earth. We said a few weeks ago, but we should get to the point now to where when people see you coming, they know instantly what you're about to talk about. Man, they're about to talk to me about the goodness of God. Hear that? Oh. Here comes Miss Arnell. She about to talk to. All right, hey, I don't know. I don't know how y'all's weeks been. Here comes Miss Arnell. She about to talk to us about the goodness of God. Here we go. I don't know what y'all we been looking like, but it's about to get better. That that's supposed to be the testimony when you walk into the room. Oh, here 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 comes Mr. George. He's about to talk to us about the goodness of God. Hey, hey I don't know how y'all's weeks been, but I bet you, I bet you. He's had a better week because he's been in the prayer. That, that man walks with God. That's supposed to be our testimony. When people see, hey, they walk with God. Not so people can clap us up, but so people can run to us and say, hey, we need God interceding in our life. Hey, hey, help us. Connect us with them. Help us. We, that, we need that one touch. And instantly that light bulb will go off in you, and you'll be like, oh, that's right. Because guess what? Everything changes. Let, let's become recaptivated with just one touch, with just one look. Amen. Amen. You know, I, you know, when they wrote that song, I, I kind of understood or understand why they wrote it because I, I ain't trying to get brownie points, but I'm just being honest. I remember the first time I saw Kelsey, it was one look for me when she was walking up. I was like, it was like, Hey, just one look. And my whole, everything was captivated. I was like, Whoa. And when the writers, when, when Chandler Moore and the rest of the team wrote this song, when they said, just one look, everything captivated. Everything changes. When, when you get around something that fully captivates you, nothing ever is the same. Whatever was happening prior to that moment, it's, a, it's obsolete. 
if you can, if you can, if you can just get captivated by Jesus. Lindsay, how do I get captivated by Jesus? You open up that word. You pray, you spend time, you meditate. You meditate on him. You read his word. You, 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 well, Lindsay, I don't know what to read. Okay, then you start with the book of John. I'll give you a cheat code. You start with the book of John, chapter one. I'll give you another cheat code. If, the, if you're not filling the book of John, you start with Hebrews. You start with Hebrews chapter one. Start with John chapter one, either one, but you become fascinated and you look, you look at Jesus, you read about Jesus, you read about him so much until you start seeing yourself, until you start seeing who's, who he has created you to be, amen? amen, until you see who he has created you to be. And there's sometimes where I have to reread the same verse over and over again. There's nothing wrong with that, amen? Evangelists, evangelism, and evangel evangelicals, all of it has been twisted and distorted in such a way that there's been chaos. There's been chaos that has started, and it's, it's invoked and influenced people to leave. Let me give you the stat. In 2016, there was a cultural movement that, was that, 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 that birthed out of the distortion of the, the office of the, uh, of the evangelists of the mishandling of the evangelists. In 2016, this cultural movement was known as Etsvangelicals. Etsvangelicals. Now, Etsvangelical is a term adopted by many with no longer considering themselves to be evangelical Christians. This label provides a helpful starting point for people whose lives were significantly marked by both their participation and departure from evangelical Christianity. Evangelicals may have left Christianity for a different denomination. They could have left for uh, because of faith or tradition within the Christianity, but most leave because of trauma, or drama, or hypocrisy. Those who brace the evangelical label often do so to signal their identification against certain characteristics that do not line up with the scriptures. They do this to, to, to distance themselves from certain stereotypes that do not line up with the heart of Jesus. Amen? At the end of the day, you know, it, and it, it wasn't just something that happened back in 2016. You can go online now and you can see. You can, you can talk to certain people and you can feel their heart moving towards this. We finally, now we finally live in a day and an age where the, 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 the most popular group of people subscribe to nothing you know growing up when I was a kid the you know the majority was the Christian denomination the, the majority was the Christian religion and then it was you know other religions and then eventually atheists and eventually none but now we live in a day and age where most people subscribe to nothing but it doesn't it, you know most people be like oh it's the end times it's dark and gloom we got to get ready we are in the last days. I, I do agree with that. However, that just because most people don't subscribe to anything, just because most people don't want to give Jesus the time of day, doesn't mean that the doesn't mean that our hope is lost. It just means that our our challenge is a little bit bigger. It just means the hill that we got to climb it's a little bit steeper. It just means that we 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 got to work a little bit harder. But it's okay because we know. See, we see we had the cheat code. We had the ultimate Chico. Uh, you know, if I've ever played stuff with my kids, ever played sports or ever played video games, you know, I, I know how things, I only play with them the stuff I know how to do. Therefore, I'm always going to win. It, it works in my favor. 
You know, I don't ever play the other little Nintendo Switch games that they have. I don't know how to do that. But the one game I know how to play, I dominate all the time. And in, in, in our race, guess what? We know, we know the final answer, which is Jesus is undefeatable. He can do the impossible. And he's already won. Therefore, as the world gets darker, guess what? The Bible says that he is the light of life. So as the world may look as it's getting darker, we know, hey, no, we got the light of life. We have the light, and he is illuminating us to illuminate the world. So therefore, the world may look like it's getting darker, but we know, oh, we got the advantage. See, that's why the devil loves to twist things in your mind to make it seem like you are the disadvantage. You are the one that's on the, uh, on the receiving end. You're, or you're the one that's always got to put in and put out and do all these different things. You're the one that's got to stress and strive when really we are the ones that are literally sitting in the winner's circle. Our God sits at the end. He's defeated all death, hell, and the grave. And he sits interceding for us. We have the advantage. You may have your work cut out, but at the end of the day, you have the advantage. Why? Because we read it earlier, but Paul said that it's God speaking through our lips. You, you don't even have to come up with what you need to say. You don't have to rehearse this big spiel. You don't have to rehearse the Romans road in order to convince people to know Jesus. No, all you have to do is be willing to submit to God. Submit to his spirit. We read it earlier, but Paul said that it's through, it's through our tender lips that God proclaims and reaches to people and says, come back to me. Amen? Amen. Come back to me. Amen? Amen? Five reasons that, you know, we talked about it before, but five reasons a lot of people find it hard to stay with the church. Number one, evangelical trauma and spiritual abuse. We said it before, but trauma and spiritual abuse. Number two, Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is a big one. I won't get too much into it just because of time, but obviously it's Christian nationalism at the core. It's, it's, it's placing our country above God's kingdom. It's placing our country above God's kingdom. Lindsay, we would never do that, but a lot of times it's easy to find ourselves doing that. When, the, when our country is persecuted, then we think God is not doing his job. When we, when, we see our, when we see America being persecuted, we're like, hey, hey, hey Lord, I, I, I thought you loved us. He does. He loves the whole world. And guess what? The whole world is being persecuted, not just our country, not just our neck of the woods. Amen? Amen. Number three, evangelical hypocrisy. When we say we do one thing, but our, our, our traditions encourage us to do something else. We, we lean back on all the things that has been or what was instead of saying, okay, Jesus, is this you? Let me do what you have told me to do. Let me do what your word says. Number four, racism. That is another reason we find people leaving the church. Most people now want to go to a church where it looks like heaven, not just one denomination, not just one race. And the fact that churches have been silent, silent on social justice is never a good thing. It's never a good thing. I've seen there was a, another incident that happened. I remember back when the George Floyd issue happened, event happened, moment happened. And right before that, Ahmaud Arbery was killed. And I remember when Ahmaud Arbery was killed, I was sitting in my, sitting in my office when I was living in Florida. And I can't, uh, I remember Kelsey came over for lunch and she's like, hey, did you see what happened? And I was like, no. She's like, you need to watch the video. I was like, I don't want to watch it. I don't. She's like, Lindsay, you need to watch it. 
So we ate lunch. She goes back over across uh, next door to work. And I'm trying to work, and I, I just had that on repeat. I need to watch it. I need to watch it. So, you know, I take a break, watch it, and I was, I was so heartbroken, so heartbroken for a, for a man that looks like me, close in age, close and built, to be jogging, something I would not do, but just to be jogging, exercising as he's jogging in a nicer neighborhood. And, I, you know, I've explained to my dad, you know, when, you know, when I get off work and it's like, hey, where'd you work at? There's certain sides of Jets and I love working at because it's nicer, it's safer. And then there's some areas where I move a little bit faster because I'm just ready to get out of there. And this man, he had the same understanding. I'm going to go jog in this safer neighborhood so I can be what? Safe. And when it turns out he wasn't safe. And I remember watching that video. I was so heartbroken and so distraught. And shortly after that, the, the, the event with George Floyd, the, the killing of George Floyd happened. And I remember thinking, okay, Lord, I don't know about the rest of the country, but our church, the church we was at, our church needs to do something. And I remember trying to, like, I, I would talk to different people, what are we going to do? How, you know, how are we going to help our community? And I remember that Sunday, there was nothing really said about it. In fact, there was a sermon series that we was in. We just moved right, marched right on with the sermon series. And I remember sitting in the congregation being so heartbroken knowing that at any moment I could walk out and be misidentified and never see my children again. And I wasn't the only one that was heartbroken. There were several people in the audience that were heartbroken over that. And unfortunately, we live in a world now where people recognize silence as compliance. And unfortunately, if the church isn't speaking on issues that affect the community, then the community sees the church as compliant with all the issues, despite whether we say we agree with it or not. And this has caused people to want to say, okay, well, I'm not going to be a part of a group that doesn't want to speak out. I'm not going to be a part of that. So as a church, as a body of believers, we have to recognize, okay, what's going on in our community? The rights and the wrongs. We may, not, we may not be able to stand charge and stand on a soapbox and preach against every wrong, but at the same time, we can let people know, hey, even if this is wrong, there is a place of hope and a place of refuge that you can come to. Amen? That's the goal. That's the, if, you can, if you can preach that, you can get it right. If you can say, hey, there's a, hey, uh, this, what's going on, that's not Jesus. But we know where Jesus is. Come on, let, 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 let us connect you with him. Hey, I, that loss that happened in your life, that's not, that wasn't God's will. God doesn't delight in that. God doesn't delight in your pain and suffering. But hey, let us connect you with him so he can restore you, so he can heal you, so he can mend you, so he can wrap his arms around you and reset. Amen. It, it's just one touch and everything changes. Let, let us connect you with that. Let us help you get to that space. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. The role of the evangelist is to proclaim the gospel. And even though we're talking about the evangelist, I encourage everybody in this room, because Paul said that when he talks about all the gifts. Here, I'll close with this. When, talk, when Paul talks about all the gifts, I didn't put the scripture up, but I'll just read it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Paul says this, he says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. Sounds like right now. Sounds like... Right now, 2023, the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, 
will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Verse four, they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to miss. Verse five, but as for you, somebody say me. Watch this, Paul says this. He says, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. And then lastly, he says, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So he says, he gives us advice. So if you don't get anything today, here's your advice from the Apostle Paul. Here's your advice from God speaking through the Apostle Paul. He says, exercise self-control. That's tough. That's kind of broad. Lindsay, can we break it down? Exercise self-control in your emotions. Exercise self-control in your eating habits. Exercise self-control in what you allow to entertain you. Exercise self-control in how you spend your time. Lindsay, how do we know it says that? Because it says exercise self-control in everything. Everything is everything. And then Paul says endure hardship. You know, endure hardship. Enduring hardship means you got to go through it. It doesn't mean that you go to it. Because see, if you go to hardship, you stop, you stop when it gets tough. But see, if you go through hardship, then you are literally walking through it, but you're still walking. You're still moving at a solid pace. You ain't got to run through hardship. Just walk one step at a time. They taught us as kids, how do you, how do you get through something you, you one step at a time? That's all it is. You got to keep moving one step at a time. And you don't think you can take a step. Hey, Lord, I thank you right now for your grace, giving me strength to take another step. And don't get tired. If you got to pray that again, Lord, I thank you for your grace, strengthening me to take another step. Lord, I thank you for your grace, strengthening me to, to get up, go to work, and work my job another day. Do the whole day, come down, come, come back home, eat, take care of the family, go to sleep, get up. Lord, I thank you for your strength to do this another day. That's what taking one step at a time looks like. Lord, I thank you for your strength to endure this day again. Lord, I thank you for strength to go through another day. Lord, I thank you for strength to pay another bill. I thank you for strength to to do this, to take care of this, to be this, to all these different things. But as for you, exercise self-control and everything. Endure hardship. Watch this. Do the work of an evangelist. What's the work of an evangelist? Spreading the gospel. Talking about Jesus. Introducing people to Jesus. Pointing people to Jesus. Why? Because people need one touch. That's all they need. They think they need all these different things, but church, I'm telling you, all they need is one touch. All they need is one look. We sang about it. It's, it's just that, it's that one look. It's that one touch. God is so good. How good is he, Lindsay? It just takes one touch. It just takes one look. It just takes one encounter, amen? But Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. Even if you're not called to be an evangelist, Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. Spread the message of Jesus. Romans chapter 1, Paul says that it's the goodness of God that draws all men to him. The goodness of God that draws all men to him. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry.